right. Good morning. Good morning. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. So if you are just joining us for the first time in this series, we're a part of uh, three weeks into our series called This Not That, God's Life Hacks. So we all know life hacks. We see them on the internet. We usually click them. It's usually clickbait, right? But they advertise little simple tricks that go a long way to, to fixing all sorts of problems you didn't even realize you had sometimes. So in this series, we're talking about two different things, not even like a good and a bad thing. Sometimes, you know, two, not maybe similar good things, but one being God's better for us. So Mark kicked us off talking about obedience over sacrifice, choosing obedience over sacrifice, where sacrifice is something that, if we're honest, can be kind of selfish. Maybe, maybe we do it um, to feel good or whatever the reason is, but obedience, real submission to God is what he calls us to. We talked about the fact that obedience always requires sacrifice, but it's not necessarily true the other way around. Last week, Beth talked about how mercy triumphs over judgment. And I, I can't do it justice, but I'm going to try. She said, ah, just like, just like anyone who's here knows what I'm talking about. Everyone else is like, this is crazy. So I'll go back, listen to the podcast. But she said, just like that athlete who stands over in victory, says, ah, oh, mercy triumphs over judgment, even though it doesn't always feel that way for us. So that's true for the way God looks at us. His first lens when he sees us is mercy and not judgment. And it's also true of the way that we get to look at others and look at ourselves even. This week, we'll be looking at something we're calling character over charisma. A similar idea with the internal over the external, and it'll make more sense since we get there. But first, I want to tell you guys about one of my favorite things. Taylor already knows where I'm going with this. Goodwill Hunting. Not the movie. It's a good movie. But I'm talking about like when Brenda goes this morning and brags that she got some... Oh, I said I wasn't going to call you out. You're not going to stand up. Don't worry about it. When you go to Goodwill and you find that exact right thing, right? For me, it's DVDs. Call me crazy. My wife does. But when I go and I'm driving home and I'm passing by Goodwill, I'm just like, maybe I'll find something, you know? Maybe I'll go find one or two or like 10, like $2 DVDs, you know? It's innocent. No problem there. But what happens is, good as that feels to come home with a perfect movie, there's always a disappointment. I'll open one up and it's empty. Somebody took it. Somebody donated without the DVD. Whoops, I forgot. I don't know. Or... I'll open it up, and instead of being like the movie I wanted, it's like 1980s workout jams. And I'm like, I don't need that in my life right now. <laughs> but apparently the Goodwill, Goodwill thinks I do. But so the reality is, in that case, it's a silly example, but the outside, even when it looks great, it means absolutely nothing to me if the inside doesn't match it, right? What, what good is it if I'm excited, I finally found that thing, but it's not actually what I thought it was. Every once in a while... Pretty often since I go all the time. I find the movie I'm looking for. Got the whole Men in Black trilogy, right? It's good stuff, really good stuff. And so if you've seen it, you recognize this guy. So this, right, they're protecting the galaxy. They're kicking alien butt. They're saving us. You're welcome. So whenever they're going out to fight, what are you going to choose? You want the big gun, right? Taking down the aliens. But one of the running jokes is that Will Smith gets stuck with this guy, which they call the noisy cricket. So... Don't get me wrong, we see in the movie, it's actually more powerful than we realize. But I mean, come on. You're about to save the world. Which one are you going to choose? You know, option, option A or option B? I go for the big one, right? Always go for the big one. Of course, you got you got you a big mission. you got to save the world. So the reality is, even though he didn't realize it, Samuel found himself in the same position all the way back in, uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, so Mark actually talked about the first week in 1 Samuel 15. Samuel... 
hears from God and says he has rejected Saul as king. Saul was his choice. Saul was his big gun, the one who was supposed to be the one savior of Israel um, as king. But Saul let God down. Saul screwed up a few different times. Samuel said, it's, it's not him anymore. God said, someone else, go choose another king. So Samuel goes. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Which I love that, right? Has anyone ever said that to you? I hope not. It's kind of a weird thing to say. But like, surely, I, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord, right? It's kind of a weird thing to say. And when you think about it, like, what does he even have to go on? All he's going on is what he sees, right? He sees something in his appearance, something in his strength, something in his height, something in how he outwardly projects himself that he says, this is it. This is my guy. But God says to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's hard to fault him. He's got nothing to go on. He's got a slim, slim pickings. God says it's going to be one of his sons. So of course, what does he do? Is it that guy? Oh yeah, that guy looks good. That guy's going to be king. So he goes with his God. He goes with what he can see, right? It's hard to blame him, especially because we find out that Jesse didn't even put David in that lineup. David was out tending the sheep. So how is, how is Saul supposed to know that that was actually supposed to be the king? On this side of history, we know David turned out to do big things as king and even before then. But how is, Saul, or how is Samuel even supposed to know at this time what he's supposed to choose? And for us, if we're honest, we can find ourselves in the same place, right? We overvalue the external. We overvalue what we see, what maybe is more tangible. We overvalue what we perceive in other people, right? Beth talked about that last week. But the same is also true of ourselves, right? The energy that we put into the external things, circumstances, right? How we present ourselves, how we look outwardly, right? The smile maybe we put on, the things we put our money to, our energy to, a lot of it goes to making the external look as good as it can. But the reality is God says, pursue character, not charisma. Pursue the heart, not the outward appearance. So as always, if there's anyone who demonstrates this well, it's Jesus, right? So we find Jesus do this in his words and, and how, he, how he lives. And just as a warning, I told Mark this morning, I don't know why you give me the microphone. It's always a risk. I'm about to say something controversial, okay? I don't want to get run out of here, but I just want to say, and I have like semi-scriptural proof that it's true. Jesus might have been ugly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, Jesus might not have been like this perfect picturesque, like totally made up guy that we make him up to be, right? I'm telling you, I'm gonna get there. Isaiah 53 says he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised, rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. 
I know it doesn't say ugly, right? Just bear with me. But the reality is he had nothing that just on the outward appearance alone would allure people to follow him. There was nothing just in outwardly how he presented himself that would draw people to know him and know God. There was nothing outwardly that would help his reputation, that would help how he presented, how he was perceived. It says the opposite, right? It says he was despised. And we see, even as he goes on, more than just maybe his demeanor or, or that outward appearance, he kind of backs this up in some of the, some of the things he says to people, some of, the, some of the words he uses. So when a rich man comes to him and says, Jesus, what do I need to do? I got plenty of money. What do I need to do to get to heaven? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. It's like, Jesus, you realize what you're doing, right? This guy's got influence. This guy's got money. This guy's probably got friends in high places. And instead, you're sending him away? I mean, like, no offense, Jesus, but what, what good is he to you after he sells his possessions? I mean, he's got a lot of possessions. You should use those. Like, doesn't he know this? And then another time in Matthew, we see the way that he deals with the Pharisees, the religious elite, some of the words he chooses there. He says to them, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? First of all, I don't even know what a brood of vipers is, okay? I didn't, I didn't look the research for that. It sounds bad, whatever it is. And I'm not advising that we be like Jesus this week and go, someone you don't like, you can say, brood of vipers, right? 695, someone cuts you off. Brood of vipers. Actually, if you do try it, let me know, because I want to see that. That'd be great. So I'm not saying this is what we're supposed to say, right? But the reality is, you're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, this is the easiest way to get unfriended, next to, like, politics on Facebook, right? You don't do this. You need these people to like you. You need these people. You need to present yourself better outwardly to the people around you. But the reality is, Jesus is okay with stepping on toes. Jesus is okay with offending a little bit. Because he knows more than anyone how much God values character over charisma. We see Jesus didn't prioritize necessarily the external or the tangible things, temporary things, circumstances, results, right? He was at so much, he was after so much more than just what was presented on the outside. So we, we see this, we see he's got a low charisma score. Homestar can appreciate that. But we see he's got high character. What does that look like? We see in other things that he says, his philosophy, in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Not the best looking, which is good news for most of us. The pure in heart, for they will see, myself included, okay? I'm being honest, I'm being honest. When scripture says, look like Jesus, I'm like, I'm already there. Look at this. <laughs> but more important than that, more important than that, how did that happen? Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Just like his father, Jesus has a thing for purity of heart. Because he knows, again, that is of infinite more value than just the outward. He says this, and he lives it out. Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, 
He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. If anyone had the chance to choose how he was going to be perceived, he had all the riches of God up there in heaven and chose instead this path to the cross. He chose instead what maybe didn't make his outward appearance look so good. He could have had influence, great reputation instead of being despised. He could have had all the friends he could have asked for because of it all. And he chose this route. Why did he choose this? He chose what would grow his character most and shape him into the image of his father. The whole point of him being here. So what does this look like for us, right? Again, I'm not saying that like, we just, we just, gotta, we just gotta say mean things to people we don't like, right? Don't, don't take that away this week, please. Instead, we can look at the model maybe he set for us of that difference in character of our charisma. So what does it look like for us? We think about character. Well, character character's rooted in humility, right? He submitted himself to the will of the Father despite having everything at his disposal. Character's rooted in humility. Charisma, charisma can be this kind of slippery slope where we elevate ourselves. Character has courage. Character can challenge maybe friends, maybe friends who we see are you know, saying they're okay, but gosh, we know, we know there's more going on. They're not going to let us in right away, but God, you know, I know God cares more about that person's heart than their circumstance. I'm going to lean in. And the same is true the other way around. Character lets other people challenge us when we're in that same spot. Charisma though, Chris, I need these, I need people to like me. I need, I need to be careful. I don't want to offend. I, I got to keep my reputation the way it is. Charisma, I, I, I can't, I can't risk discomfort for real growth. I just, I just can't do it. Character is steadfast. Character is consistent. Charisma, eh, charisma can sometimes be swayed maybe by the people around us, the people we want approval from, the people we need to impress at work, um, the friends we're trying to get. Right? Which, is, which is interesting to think about. Think about the people around us who don't know the Lord. Do you think they look at us and they're like, all right, that's one cool Christian. I want to become a Christian. Like, it's never worked for me. Maybe I'm just not cool. I don't know. I'm supposed to laugh more than that. No, I feel like I'm not cool. <laughs> maybe we should pray. So charisma is maybe swayed by that because it's easy for us to want to put the best, best version of ourselves out there. That's what I want them to see about me and about Christians. But the reality is maybe what that coworker needs who doesn't know Jesus is for you to not match that old hypocritical Christian that they feel like they've met before. Maybe they need to see you doing the best you can to be steadfast in who you are despite the circumstances. Character in that sense esteems God. Charisma, it's more esteeming myself. Character points to eternity and charisma yeah, charisma just, just points to now. So again, are these bad? Is it, is it bad to have a good outward appearance, right? Is it bad to have that sort of personality that people enjoy you? Like, no, of course not. But the reality is, 
relying on that alone, it's just not, it's not enough for us. Right? It's not sturdy enough to hold us. It's conditional. It, it, it depends on results. Right? Charisma focuses and depends on circumstances and what happens there. Character, character focuses on living unconditionally. Charisma says, I am here to experience life to the fullest, which we see all around us and we feel sometimes too. Character switches that. Character says, I'm here to experience Christ to the fullest. So again, as we think through this, it's not necessarily bad. It's not something that we think like, oh man, yeah, I got to put all those things down. I have to pursue the worst circumstances I can imagine. John, can you advance that for me? See if it works. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you advance that for me? Thank you. Um, so it's not bad. And even if we think about it, like this side, like this character side, that's really hard. And it can be really easy for us to look at that and just be like, man, I, I am not that. I am, I am many things, but I am not that yet. Jesus sets a, a, a high threshold for that, and I just, I'm just not there. So it's easy for us to say that, feel that, and be stuck on that. But where we put our energy can't be on charisma. It can't. Because charisma, we're meant for so much more than this. It can't hold us. It can't hold everything that we are. It's not the fullness of our identity. So even as we seek to pursue one thing, when we seek to pursue the outward appearance, the circumstance, the results, it's going to let us down. It's going to, because it was never meant to hold everything that we are. So sometimes it can feel like there's this big chasm right there, right? Of, okay, what do I do with that? How do I bridge that gap? The good news is there is a life hack for this. It's, it's a simple switch in perspective that scripture gives us that totally changes everything of how we see things. We see it in Philippians 3, where he says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will become like his glorious body. He has the power to do that. And if, we, if I grasped this, oh my gosh, it would change everything. The little things, like the circumstances that frustrate me, I just would bounce off, right? Our citizenship is in heaven. I am made for heaven. Yep, just bounce off, not a big deal, right? Difficulty in, in certain aspects of work or class or relationship. Like, oh yeah, I feel that, but... I'm, I'm, I'm shooting for something bigger. And this whole process, this whole life, while we're here to experience Christ, is all meant to be this journey of becoming like his glorious body, of being transformed into his likeness. Like I, that changes everything. All the effort we put on circumstances, all the effort we put on results, like that's not bad. It's not bad to do good work. It's not bad to seek to do well in school. It's not bad to be a, try to be a good mom, dad, sister, brother, everything, right? Of course we're gonna do that. But God says, think one step beyond that and recognize that everything here is all part of that process of transforming to look more like him. And at one point in time, 
I feel like, man, I, I got this. I had that. I felt that. Alyssa and I, when we, before we got married, we realized that's it. That's what I like about you. Yeah, she's pretty. I like her. And she plays a mean piano. You saw that today. But above all, I knew in her that no matter what circumstances would, would bring, it was her priority every day to look more like Jesus. It was my priority every day to look more like Jesus. Whether we did it or not, that's what we wanted to do. That's our prayer. But even as I say that, I admit 100% that so many of these words are totally for me. Like, we just hit our five-year anniversary, which is amazing. It's awesome. It's worth celebrating. But we were just honest with each other, just kind of looking and be like, how do we get here? Like, do you, do you feel like we just kind of limped? We're just kind of like, oh, gosh, five years. Like, tap out, you know? Okay, here you go. In a lot of ways, we feel like we've lost sight of this. Like at one point in time, we felt like we lived this. Jesus, every day, no matter the circumstances, no matter what I look like from the outside, no matter what my life looks like from the outside, on the inside, every day while I go to sleep being like, you know what? I feel like a little bit more I understood who God is and who he is in me. Every week, next Sunday, you come here, you know what? Every week, I feel like I look a little bit more like Jesus. Every year, you look back and you say, man, a lot of tough things happened this year. But you know what? I feel like I look more like Jesus now in the little ways, little ways that he's shaping us inside. But the reality is, again, if, if I'm being honest, I know in a lot of ways I've fallen short of that. As we feel like we limped into five years, we look at the circumstances of our life we got a cute baby. He's a lot of fun. He's great when he's not waking us up at midnight, 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. On the surface, we're doing great. She's leading worship. I'm speaking. We got it all together, obviously, duh. So on the surface, things look great, but we look at each other and we just kind of sometimes that thought of we only see the worst in each other even as we present the best versions of ourselves to other people. looks different for every one of us, but I, I think you guys can relate, right? It feels like in some seasons of life, like every little thing is just like testing us and just like pointing all that junk out, right? That's what we feel like. But the reality is every single thing is an opportunity to say, God, I don't want to wish those trials away. God, I still want this to be my prayer. I still want this to be my prayer. Make it my prayer and priority to look more like you through it all. Not despite the trials, but because of them. I give you permission, God, to shape me into who you are because of those trials. God, I know, I know that there's so much that I put my time and energy into making right in my life that it only matters this much, right? putting a lot of effort, just like those DVDs of Goodwill, I can put all sorts of effort to making the outside look great, but it does not matter if the inside doesn't match. So God leads us in this, but he says, you know what? Rejoice, rejoice a little bit. Recognize that, yes, there is a, a road to character, a road to who you are. Recognize that these trials are not by accident. He says in 1 Peter, these trials, these tests have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, 
glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's good news. That's great news. Of course, the hard part of it is the realization that God does desire over everything that we grow in character. We see that time and time again, but sometimes we mishear that, right? Think about the lyrics we sang in pieces, right? We sang things that he wasn't because we recognize sometimes in our experiences, he can feel that way. Like we'll use words like God is testing me, like he's probing us, right? Like poking us just to see when we're gonna break. Maybe we wouldn't say that, but kind of how it feels sometimes. Or maybe we look at that list of character, we see who Jesus is, was, and all we think about is the disappointment of how far we fall short of that. Oh, God probably feels that too. He sees everything. He sees how much I fall short of that. We think about the fact that like, as God's developing us in character, maybe it's just selfish of God. You know, he just wants me to look better for him. Okay, great for your kingdom. I'm gonna look better to my coworkers, better to the people around me who don't know Jesus. Maybe we feel that sometimes. But if that's the case, we're missing it. Because so much of our energy feels like it's going into withstanding or into preventing that refinement rather, right? So much of that energy maybe is put to looking like gold on the outside instead of withstanding the fire, withstanding the refinement whenever it comes. But the reality is through all of this, this, this is so much more for us than it is for God. These trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, may result in praise. Your faith, the proven genuineness, how great is that? Like think about, think about all the times you've gone through something and at the end of it, you step back, you're like, I don't know what just happened. You take a deep breath and you're like, I made it though. I've still got my faith. Yeah, I messed up along the way a little bit, but... My faith has been proven genuine. How great is it at the end of an exhausting week where you feel like you were just not, just not 100% you? You can step back and say, you know what? Your faith is proven genuine. What? Like, that's amazing reassurance that he offers us, even though it means having to go through the refinement. What makes it harder, I feel like sometimes, is that as our circumstances, as our trials kind of feel like they're attacking us, sometimes we feel like we're all that's left afterwards. But the truth is, the reality is, you are not the byproduct of your circumstances. You are not just what's left over once life has had its way with you. God says, this is not by accident. This is not by accident. This refinement doesn't happen by accident. This refinement happens so that you can see at the end after the external has gone away through the refinement, all that's left is you. And you know what I see? Gold. You are not the byproduct of your circumstances and whatever life has done to you. You are the gold. And God is at work trying to expose that. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's exhausting. The thought of being refined by fire. Jesus, that's exactly what I need right now as if I don't have enough, right? But the reality is this is what he's at work doing in us. And in some parts of it, we experience the victory of recognizing this is good. God, I am, I am proven genuine. That's great. But he says there's more to that. There's more. 
There's more. At that place of character, great. But I don't just want character for character's sake. I don't just want you to look like the best Christian you can possibly be. I need you to understand that, yes, rejoice in your victories. But not only so, also rejoice in your sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How often when we're in the middle of suffering, we ask things like, God, is there another side to this? Is this always the way it's going to be? I thought you were a good father. What? Why this? Why am I always in this? Not only does God say there is another side after the suffering, but more than that, he says there is something that can only be experienced on the other side of suffering, only experienced on the other side of perseverance, only experienced on the other side of proven character, and that's hope. Genuine hope. How refreshing would that be? How refreshing is that to recognize that, yes, All of this has a purpose. All of this has a purpose. And it's to experience unconditional hope. I wish there was a real life hack, a real shortcut to just go straight to the hope. We try that, right? We try to think positive. We try to be optimistic. But the reality is to true unconditional hope that's not based on results and circumstances, there's no shortcut. It's only through the refinement. And I recognize that even, even in our marriage, right? It was mostly convicting for me to realize that my marriage right now does not need my charisma. There's no amount of funny jokes or fun experiences or whatever I can do and to try to improve our circumstances that's gonna bring us to that place of satisfaction and peace. It's it's not going to happen. My marriage right now does not need my charisma. My marriage needs my submission to God, wholehearted. Oh, that hurts. Wholehearted submission to God. My marriage needs me to stop looking at the disappointment and say, man, I know an unconditional hope. And even if I don't feel like I'm seeing the fruit of that right now, I'm trusting that it is in the process of being formed and developed in a way that will have so much more weight than if I just tried to take a blind hope coming into it. That hope, that unconditional hope isn't rooted in the external. It's not rooted in Results, it's not rooted in feelings, it's not rooted in circumstances. That hope is rooted only in the promises of a good father who keeps his word, who showed us he had power, who showed us he can keep his word by letting Christ be victorious on the cross and in submission through his whole life to be grown into the image of God, a God who knows in every single circumstance that it only exists because he sees the other side. That is the unconditional hope that I want. 
no matter what it takes to get there. That is an unconditional hope that's only going to happen when God shapes my heart to look more like his, to value the internal over just the external, what I present, what I value on the outside. Mm -mm. That unconditional hope, that's only going to come when I let him do his work in me. So worship team, you guys can come back up. So just as we wrap up, um, just a reminder, today is a prayer Sunday. So if you've got something going on, whether it's internal or external, mental, spiritual, emotional, physical, we would love to pray with you. We would love to just bring that to the feet of that good father who wants to give you unconditional hope through it. So what you do is you go down the hall, go over to the sanctuary, and they'll be waiting for you during this last song and then also afterwards if you need prayer. So just some questions as we wrap up. Where do you find yourself, if you're honest, where do you find yourself prioritizing the external, the appearance, the circumstances, the results over the internal, the heart, your heart, your character at work by God? God says, it's, we, we get this backwards. He says, I value the heart over the outward appearance. And where is God trying to shift your hope? Maybe you feel like your hope's been on something unsteady, uncertain, circumstantial. And God says, I have so much more for you. Do you want it? Are you willing to pursue it for something unconditional? As always, if there's questions, you can text Mark's phone. Otherwise, let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you that you present to us an alternative, a real, rooted, unconditional living hope that has been proven through the hardest of trials through your son, Jesus. God, I just, I pray for me right now, God, will you please just bring my heart to a place of humility where I mean that prayer, God, that every single day, Every single week, every single year, God, may I look more like you, no matter what my circumstances look like, God. No matter what the results are coming or aren't coming, God, more than anything, I am here to look like you. God, I pray that for myself. I pray that for everyone here. That's what we were made for, God. God, I pray that you help us be prepared when the fire comes to refine us, that we can trust that even if it's not in our timing, there is another side. And it's for us to be able to trust the character you're developing in us, the faith you're developing in us to prove it genuine. God, I thank you that you are a good father who does this for our sake, even when it doesn't feel like it. You persist, you continue. Jesus, we trust you. We wanna trust you more. Help us to lay all that down. Even as we sing this last song, God, will you just let us lay all that down and trust you more to mold us into your image. In Jesus' name, amen.